0: Welcome to Troubleshooting Agile, a regular problem-solving session for Agile teams. Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. It's Scroll, How are you doing? Very well, particularly well, because uh, we have a letter from a listener. We really like hearing from our listeners. And uh, one of them, Marek, uh, has got in touch and he has a particular answer to one of the questions we asked two podcasts ago. So back uh, when we were looking at principle number five, which was all about trusting your team. Marek uh, responded and answered the question we asked about Theory X and Theory Y. What he says is, uh, thanks for your podcasts. In fact, I found them on your website and listened to them all. Jeffrey, would we recommend that? Uh, Well, absolutely. That sounds like a a great start. Excellent. So he listened so carefully that he says in the seventh episode about Theory X and Theory Y, that was the episode on build projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment and support they need and trust them to get the job done. He says, you are trying to think of movie examples where there is a theory why boss. He's been thinking about Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek, who he thinks is the almost perfect model of the theory why boss. Jeffrey, I don't know how much Star Trek you've watched, but uh, do you agree with Marek or think uh, something different?
1: Well, as soon as 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 I I read this, I thought, oh, that's great. I was so happy to have someone um, uh, provide an answer. And it kind of made me wonder why we didn't think of that uh, when we were recording. But uh, So it's great to have someone uh, write in and, and uh, answer that question for us. So it, one of the things it says is if more people were Star Trek fans, maybe we would have uh, more Theory Why bosses out there.
0: That would be fantastic. The kind of examples of Theory Why, we don't want to make this a, a rehash of the podcast from before, but the examples of behavior are things like. Picard tends not to just order his staff around and say, I know the best thing to do and tell them to do things. In fact, some of the villains have that characteristic. It tends to be that he will meet in his ready room with a number of the members of the staff and pull them for their opinions and so on. So that's why I think he's at least closer to the theory why ideal. Yep, I could, can't argue with that. Sounds good. So moving on then. Thanks, Marek, for your comments. We'd love to have more from you and from other listeners. We've got principle number seven as today's topic, and that is working software is the primary measure of progress. And as with some of these, when Jeffrey and I sat down to think about this before recording, we said, well, what else would be the measure Jeffrey, do you have any thoughts? What else would we measure other than working software?
1: Well, uh, unfortunately, not only do I have some thoughts, I have some bitter experience from the, the bad old days Where it was quite standard that the percent complete you'd say you were in a project was a function of what phase you were in. So you might say something like, well, we're in the requirements phase. So we're 10%. We've completed the requirements. We're on to uh, design. So now 20%. And so you you might get 80% of the way done and still not have shipped uh, anything. Um,
0: And And, and the chief financial officer would actually recognize revenue or costs based on that. So it was even a financial.
1: Uh, component. That's right. Yeah. So, you'd be getting uh, a sort of budget credit for the idea that you've entered a new phase. And it wasn't uh, surprising, or actually, it uh, it would later became surprising when things would blow up when they were um, uh, 80% complete and never make it to hundred. Um, the, you know, an alternative that I, I discovered also that some in the same time period, some companies would, would say they were a percent complete was a function of the percentage of the budget they had spent, uh, versus the estimate of course, because often they'd come up with more budget and then be well over budget. So you, you might have a project that was 120% complete and hadn't shipped yet. So that, those were sort of how people used to, um, Commonly uh, measure progress in uh, different methodologies, and uh, for me, I was very excited when I came across an alternative way, which was to use uh, working software, and particularly to measure it in the form of burnup charts. Um, I don't know if something and that, some
0: some listeners might be more familiar with burn down charts, so you might want to explain the difference.
1: Um, well, I think it's it's uh, the, the much of a muchness. It's really a question of oh, okay. we we we've. Uh, um, I, I think it's more fun to go up than down. I think it's more motivating, but <laughs> especially as, as scope changes, you know, lowering the bottom line versus raising the top it just uh, feels it
0: it feels to do on a piece of graph paper
1: right but the idea for in either way is is now uh we're we're if we have a, a number of items that we've estimated the amount of uh software we expect to get done in this project hopefully a small iteration we can keep track of uh, how many of those things we've actually done so if we estimated that we're going to have 20 uh points in this iteration uh, 20 points of stories we'd estimated and we've got five of them done and working then we can say that we're a quarter of the way there, and as part of a much larger project, we we might be using different uh, ways of of measuring the the percentages of, of software we hope to get done over the the life of the project.
0: But the crucial thing in all of that, in all of those concepts, whether it's burn up or burn down, and we'll put a link to explanations of both in the in the show notes. that the the crucial idea is that uh, partially done work is not assigned a value. So uh, that actually echoes a principle from many, many years ago, the middle of the 20th century, that Toyota and others have implemented very successfully in manufacturing, and that's the notion of reducing waste or muda, if you want to use the Japanese term. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> the idea is that you're you're always searching for ways to make sure that you have the least amount of inventory in your, say, car factory. So, uh, Toyota, when it first started using these principles, might have had uh, a whole warehouse full of tires, and their target, their their, their vision. There would be to get to as few tires as possible, ideally to be able to tear down the warehouse and have no tires at all, except for the ones that have just arrived and are sitting by the station where someone is going to put the tires onto a car. And of course, the benefit of doing that is not only that you eliminate the cost of the warehouse and so on, that's a cost that we have less in software, although we do have the maintenance of branches and other things that we still have to do with our software costs. But you also are able to react much more quickly to uh, demand, and you can bring in more tires or fewer much more quickly, and you don't have the, the waste of something that is not finished might be financially accounted for as beneficial, but in fact, it's providing no value at all to customers. And, and that that point about value to customers
1: and, and getting out uh, more software more quickly, I think that's, uh, from the time this was written, it was really trying to overcome the idea that uh, development teams couldn't be relied upon, that uh, there was tension between developers and the business, uh, friction and conflict, and sort of the idea that, look, we, we have these software projects, we're going to get them done, but we never know when we're going to get them and uh, being able to break them up into smaller pieces and deliver things regularly, see them working. It works very well with what we described earlier about being able to learn learn quicker, but also works very well for building trust uh, with the business that you can actually uh, uh, get work done that you say you're gonna do.
0: And the interesting thing is that if you just read this principle and you and I were going back and forth as we were preparing, we were thinking about if you just read this principle exactly as it's written, then it would lead you to produce very rapid working software, but it actually doesn't say anything about the value of that software if you read it very strictly. So if you miss the point of other principles, like if uh, unlike Merrick, you aren't listening carefully to our podcast on principle five about motivated developers and involving everyone and trusting them uh, to get the work done. If you're not being a Jean-Luc Picard style manager, then you can wind up with what a very entertaining post a couple of years ago called a feature factory. And in a feature factory, the work comes down the conveyor belt, and you just take it right off the conveyor belt, you produce working software that does whatever the work says to do whatever the specification says, and you put it back on the conveyor belt and out it goes. And that would actually be um, uh, following the uh, words of this principle without actually following the principle of the principle if you like
1: (laughs) well i mean let's let's talk about this because i think the idea of a feature factory sounds probably great to lots of people i mean if you're
0: it would be great progress in many cases if you're stuck in the 20 percent done (laughs) equals requirements done model a feature factory sounds like heaven
1: yeah so i mean the idea that as as a business i can just come up with all the requirements i can i can go ahead and tell people this is what i want and as i put orders in working software comes out this sounds fantastic I even think some developers would like it because they, they look, I just just tell me what to do and I'll get it done. I've I've been told that by several developers at times. Absolutely. Just, me too. They say, look, this I just I just want to write code. I don't want to think about anything else. Um
0: so what's what's the problem? Well, the problem is that in fact we can do a lot better. So it's actually not a problem if if you're in the mode where uh, software is not coming out for long periods and value is being trapped in your your warehouse, essentially, then a feature factor really is a step forward. But we, we've gone a lot farther than that since the Agile Manifesto was written. Today, we can talk about what the business outcome is and whether we're achieving that business outcome. So we're, we're asking for more than purely working software in the sense that it doesn't crash, but we'd like it actually to produce a business outcome.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, which is, and we, we talked about this a bit earlier when we talked about learning and being able to react quickly. Well, we, we can only learn if we're actually trying to measure if what we're doing is working. <clears throat> I think that the, the in the canonical feature factory, uh, people are only looking at the input and output of the factory itself and not seeing what happens once it's out of production. So the question is, uh, did it actually, did the UI make the change uh, for our clients that we hoped? Are they using the software that we've created? Did we actually create a conversion rate up? exactly. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, that's any of those, any of those kind of questions aren't being asked because it's, because it's, the focus is only on the factory and what's being done in the factory, not what happens out in the world.
0: Absolutely. So, If we can get to that focus on outcomes, then we're starting to talk about lean software development. We're talking about lean startups that's getting closer to the Toyota model as well, where we're trying to get inventory down, we're trying to get the number of steps between a, a hypothesis and running an experiment and getting the results of that experiment and acting to be as short as possible. And, and I think this is where
1: the, when, if, we, if we're stuck in the idea where either side of the business isn't considering how developers uh, can contribute to this, where developers are saying, I just want to write code, then they're missing opportunities to co-design some really creative experiments, in a collaboration between developers and business, uh, to say really what what is it we need to do here? What is it we can do? What are our options? And the the more options you have to say, well, look, how can we do this smaller, cheaper, learn faster? Uh, you, you don't you're not going to get that uh, sort of uh, uh, all the ideas that you could have. You're not going to be as creative if you don't have everyone's head in the game uh, and engaged with. You know, let's look for the impact of what we're doing. Uh, And and I think that's where you can really miss out.
0: Absolutely. And you don't want those developers to be alienated from their work. You want them to be engaged and involved. And that's, again, the point of the Jean-Luc Picard model, right? You want to get everyone in the ready room discussing what to do. You'll get more ideas. right? I've got a couple examples of that. I've got a client I'm working with today. I'll disguise them suitably. Uh, They may recognize themselves if they listen. They've uh, been doing the same business for 20 years, And they're trying to break out and do new things, but it's really hard for them. They're really in the habit of doing things the same way they've done it for 20 years. And moving to a new product and new experimentation is hard. And what they've uh, benefited from is a particular uh, developer leader who's been pushy on this. I think the other developers also would have the same point of view who's always saying, how can we simplify? How can we do it in, a, in an easier way? And so they've essentially just put up an inquiry form that says, are you interested in new product X? They even got some people who wanted a job doing new item X. They got some extra people. So it got additional interesting responses that weren't the ones they were expecting, but they were actually able by just putting up a single page without trying to put all the payment behind it and all the other things that would go with the product, and only phoning people who wanted uh, to uh, express interest in the product who had said that they were interested, they actually got to revenue a month earlier than they would have expected because they had planned to take two months to get to actual revenue from a real customer, uh, that they essentially match people with others who are interested in in taking up a certain service. And uh, they got to that uh, a whole month sooner than they would otherwise have done through <laughs> writing less software.
1: Which which is great. And you're saying this is one of the developers who, who brought exactly. it up. Exactly. So you,
0: if, if uh, we- start- The developer's always saying, how can we do this simpler? Why are you, he, they wanted to do an A-B test. They wanted to try two forms. And he said, why don't we just try one? <laughs> then when they actually did go try the two forms, he said, why don't we drop the one that's not working? So he's doing a great job pushing the company to- <laughs> Do it as simply as possible. Right, And th- there's kind of an extreme version of that, which I saw. I, I didn't see it myself, but I've, I've heard the stories both of a particular music startup that I worked with that uh, wanted to get artists and uh, venues and so on hooked up. And uh, Airbnb is well known for having used this strategy. Start with Google Forms. Start with uh, online uh, Google Sheets or Excel, something like that. Put up essentially the same thing as what I was just describing, but don't write any software at all. An inquiry form that says, would you like product X? And if somebody says, I would like product X, have them give them your phone number and uh, their phone number. And you pick up the phone and, and phone them and provide them product X by hand. That's a very, very fast way to get an experiment going. And uh, you, that really, really pares down the definition of working. <laughs> That software works. I didn't write a line of it. Yeah, and I think that's. I think that was a very interesting part as we talked
1: through the the, the journey of this. This focus on working software as the uh, primary measure of progress is um, rather than focusing the software to focus on the working part. What do we mean by working? And which brings us to what are the outcomes we care about, and then how can we find out those outcomes? as soon as possible. It, and it could be that we're successful without writing any software at all. And uh, I think that's uh, it's an unexpected um, uh, outcome of focusing on working software is to end up with less software. But uh, the software that you end up with is stuff that you know, you know works and you know it matters.
0: Exactly. Google Forms is likely to continue working. Whatever you write might have bugs and problems and other things that distract you <laughs> from the results of your experiment. Use Google Forms if it gives you the result that you're looking for, even though you don't actually have to write any software. Right. And at
1: some point, you hit the limits and you know then what you need to write beyond the form.
0: Exactly. And that's the whole point, of course, is eventually you are going to put a product there. And they're now busily, uh, in my example, they're busily producing a, a piece of software that will actually connect the people without the the humans. But they wouldn't have known that that was worth doing without the experiment. Right.
1: All right. Well, hopefully uh, people have enjoyed this uh, discussion of uh, principle number seven, working software is the primary measure of progress, uh, moving past the uh, phase model or the percent of budget model and uh, and even past simply uh, looking narrowly at are the features getting done out to value. And I think next time we'll be moving on to principle number eight, agile processes promote sustainable development, The sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant pace indefinitely.
0: Absolutely. So we hope our listeners will be uh, writing us more letters like Mark. Thank you again. We'd love also if uh, any of you who are enjoying the podcast, or even if you're not, uh, could write us some iTunes reviews that apparently helps us get to more folks. And that's something we're interested in doing. So we'll leave a link in the show notes. Uh, Let us know what you think. Uh, Honestly, is it good? Is it bad? Uh, An iTunes review would be a great way to find that out. Or write us uh, an email using the address and the information on troubleshootingagile.com. Thanks, Gro. Thanks, Jeffrey.